My name is Andy. I help people live life on purpose. This podcast explores the mystery, beauty, and complexity of life through conversations with an array of incredible practitioners, all of them working at the edge of what's possible for humanity. This is a place for big dreams, bold creativity, and fierce hope. Welcome to the Wonder Dome. If you're inspired by this conversation and you'd like to see it reach more people, you can help the Wonder Dome take flight by sharing it with friends and colleagues, subscribing, giving us a high star rating, and best of all, leaving a glowing review. If you'd like to go even further, consider becoming a monthly supporter. You'll help me keep the lights on and support a wide range of charitable causes. You can learn more at mindfulcreative.coach. Thanks in advance for helping us inspire the world. My guest today is Nathan Blair. Nathan is the founder and lead trainer at the Somatic School, a school for coaches and other practitioners who want to more deeply understand how our bodies, our whole bodies, serve as a interface or a vessel for deep connection and understanding with each other, with other people, with the entire planet and the universe. He is a deeply sensitive, um, deeply attuned human being. In his teens, he was actually diagnosed with ADHD and took medication to sort of manage those quote-unquote symptoms. And he started in the process to realize through mindfulness practices and through uh, nature-based practices that his sensitivity was not a problem to be medicated, but rather a incredible strength to be amplified. And moving on from that psychology of disease, disorder, and dysfunction towards his own potential is also the framework that he offers through the somatic school for coaches and other practitioners. Over the years, he's trained deeply in a number of different practices based in understanding the human body, our neurophysiology, our um, neurobiology, and the ways in which we are quote-unquote wired, the ways in which we are evolved to be in relationship. Relationship with ourselves, our bodies, our, our emotions and our sensations, and relationship with each other. Our conversation today was an absolutely delightful exploration into what it looks like, sounds like, feels like to do this work that ultimately is a, about work beyond words. And this episode sort of plays with and wrestles with that paradox of how do we talk about that which is experiential in nature as opposed to simply intellectual in nature. And, you know, I think we did a, a, a pretty damn good job of it, or we certainly had a lot of fun and we had a lot of laughter and we also had a lot of deep connection. Uh, and it felt really great to be with Nathan in this space. And my hope as you listen to this is that you get some of that feeling, some of that experience of what it's like to deeply connect. In particular, if you are living life with a sense that something is missing if you're living life, quote unquote, in your head a lot, thinking a lot, worrying a lot, analyzing a lot, and you want to start to walk through some other doorways, 
this conversation is for you. Whether or not you ever have any interest in becoming a coach, if you have interest in expanding your ways of relating to the world, Nathan is someone who's doing that really deeply and brings a ton of practice and experience to it. So let's get settled in. And hear what Nathan has for us. Hi, Nathan. Hey there, Andy. Welcome to the Wonder Dome. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, it's really uh, a real treat. There's a part of me, you shared this uh, beautiful story about you and your grandmother and the way that you sort of made a conscious decision to help her calm down in a stressful moment. And, um, you know, there's a part of me that wants like, just wants to play with that for the the two of us to sort of sit here in silence together and, and like, imagine that people listening could feel the, um, power of two people really kind of connecting in the way that you described you connecting with your grandma and, and, and in a way that you, I have already to a certain extent connected before the recording and, uh, I suppose another part of me is like, that won't make for very good podcast listening, but I'm just really in touch with the uh, specialness of being with someone right now. Yeah. It's almost like, uh, I feel like I should say something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For our listeners. Yeah. Um, but there is something there. It reminds me of another um, podcast host who edits out all of the actual dialogue, leaves just the silence. And that's the episode after an actual interview. Uh, I forget the name of it. So I apologize. I can't remember the name of it, but uh, I can share it if you want to put it in the show notes. Um, that's so fun. We're just and it's interesting. creative creatures, aren't we? <laughs> we are indeed. I mean, I love it. And, but it's interesting that what you said there was about being with, like I, we, you and I did a little, a little meditation before we started here. Um, thank you for guiding us through that. Mm. Um, and it's, that's exactly what I was in touch with actually, like the importance of that. Mm. So the fact that you would bring that up now, it's like totally what I was with you know, before we, uh, before we begun. Yeah. How, uh, how are you relating to the importance of that right now? Maybe we can just like lean into that a bit since we both were in touch with it. What's important about being with. One of the things that I'm really aware of is that. So I, so I've always been a very, Sensitive person, sensitive soul. I was described as a child as oversensitive. Mm. Um, and uh, it was only until, it wasn't until um, later in my life, after discovering um, largely when I discovered the field of somatic work, which I guess we can expand on in a bit, but somatics, I suppose, being the exploration of the human as an integrated whole, quite specifically with an awareness of uh, the body as uh, sort of central to our 
cognition, our intelligence, our experience, what makes us human, mm -hmm. not just uh, rather than just a taxi to the brain, as they say, <laughs> a vehicle for a skull bound computer, you know, that's a, a shift in relationship to the body and how and the importance of that. But discovering somatics, uh, because so much of that has to do with attunement and resonance and, and really the quality of our attention on one another and what becomes available for that and within ourselves, you know, our own experience, becoming mm. aware of how we are right now, mm. um, that I began to embrace uh, sensitivity as a strength. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I've always been aware of our impact on one another, you know, and so when I think about being with, I think about an intentional you know, how, how we can be intentional about how we relate to one another. Um, that's a starter for 10. I have more to say, but I'll pause. <laughs> yeah. There's a part of me that uh, wants to find the person or group of people who came up with a phrase oversensitive to describe a kid and just kind of shake them up a little bit, which is not a very <laughs> sensitive response. I Walk them away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's yeah. Uh, mm, that's yeah. That that way of categorizing someone else's, essentially someone else's bodily, like full body intelligence and putting it in this box is a way of being like not being with. That's like a way of othering, you know, like, sorry, Nathan, you're oversensitive. Yeah. You're different. You can't be with us because you get too upset. And, uh, and... It just, everywhere I look some days when I'm maybe in my less optimistic stance, I feel like we're surrounded by all of these messages that alienate us from each other. And, uh, and it seems to me, based on the time we've had together, that your work really centers on helping us reconnect with ourselves and with each other in a way that, that uh, is the opposite of whatever that alienation is. Yeah. Well, I actually have in the past described that some of the work I do is anti-splitting, um, although that's a little strong, I have to admit, <laughs> only a little bit from time to time. So it, there is a, you know, we, we, I mean, othering is very, uh, is very, um, you know, it's, it's woven into the fabric of, of modern, the, and certainly in the Western world, that kind of, um, you know, we live in a very individualistic, you know, society and uh, it, certainly in the West, I speak for myself here in the UK, you know, and, uh, um, and, you know, I was listening to a philosopher, Jeremy Lent, talking about how going from this uh, relativism, relativistic worldview of like a very mech mechanistic part, like, one in which sees the parts, you know, and, and the, and the, and, and separates out these parts, you know, and that being essential for some of the progress we've made in science and technology. Um, but the, it, that it doesn't, it, 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 it's sort of what got us here won't get us there. Mm. And that for us to have a, for us to have a, uh, sustainable and life-giving future on mm. this glorious planet um that 
embracing a, a kind of a worldview of this more, you know, that's being um, kind of spoken to in more systemic ways of thinking or you know, somatics, I think definitely speaks to that as well. This is, you know, it's, it's, it's going from a, uh, you know, going from a, a narrative or a worldview of separation to to a journey, you know, to a journey of reconnection, mm. one of reconnection. So, mm. you know, being with at every level with ourselves, mm. with each other, mm. with the world around us, mm. what does it mean to actually come into contact mm. and actually genuinely connect at each of those levels? And yes, exactly. As you said, that's definitely a big part of the work that we do. So on each of those levels that, and the body being almost like a, it's, yeah, I think our relationship with our body is almost a little like a fractal in a way, mm. because mm. how one relates to themselves and their bodies, how they relate to themselves via the body, for example, uh, I think is 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 then reflected out in how they then relate to each other and and then the world around them mm. as well. So, mm. Mm. yeah. Mm. In that in that beautiful framing you just offered us, you asked a rhetorical question, but maybe we can actually ask it together. And the question was something like, "What does it actually mean to make contact?" And I wonder if you could just play. We could maybe we can play with that. What what. When have you made contact or what, how do you know when you're making contact or what does it mean to make contact? I think, I think from, from, from my perspective there, Okay, you know what it reminds me of a little bit. It reminds me of um, so one of the one of the modalities that I'm trained in, and that we train at uh, the somatic school is something called Hakomi. Mm-hmm. Hakomi is an approach that was developed by someone called Ron Kurtz um, in in the states. Uh, Ron Kurtz sadly passed away, um, but he left an incredible legacy. And Hakomi, the word Hakomi is a Hopi or Hopi um, uh, word for. Uh, uh, it, the describe that, that s- translates rough somewhere around like uh, how do you stand in all these realms in these many realms something along those lines which in my mind almost kind of abbreviates to something like how are you being mm, <laughs> in a way mm, mm. Um, so it's interesting actually because it kind of leads on to the question of uh, there's this interesting subtle distinction of, of the being and being with and uh, and in some ways you know there's an interesting interplay between both of those things um, but for me well, the reason I bring this up is because uh, there's a particular skill called contact statements so at the semantic school we describe it as contacting and so it's totally relevant for contact and what basically you're doing here is you are bringing your awareness and your attention out on the person you're with and then the uh you'll name your best guess at what you think might be happening for someone based on their non-verbal communication and the, the reason for doing this is to help them to become aware of uh it's it's used in a therapeutic context to help somebody perhaps become aware of something they're experiencing in the moment they might not be consciously aware of but it's it's speaking uh 
mm. because the body mm. speaks, the body reveals. Mm. So it's it's sort of communicating itself, but they might not be consciously aware of. So, for example, somebody's talking about how uh, they they uh, have been made redundant and they need to leave the office by the end of the week. Mm. And as they say that, there's, you see a little crack of a smile at the corner of their mouth. And they're talking about it in a very somber tone, but you see those. You might say, excited, huh? Well, a little exciting. Something like that, with that sort of inflection or, t- or you know, tone. And in that moment, that person might go, you know what? It is a bit. I, I actually am excited. It's funny you say that because it, although it's bad news, it seems like that. it's actually perfect. I've not really been happy in that job for a while mm. now and, mm. and on and on. You know, so it helps open mm. up. Mm. Helps us uh, make contact with make contact with that which is not already known, mm. you know, mm. and and perhaps a deeper truth. So to answer your original question, I think in that instance, the contact is this this really seeing someone, really being with someone, really, and for somebody to feel seen i think importantly i think the contact is made perhaps mm. with the articulation mm. of that mm. with the with the because contact statements are a little risky they feel risky because you it, a moment later after that moment's passed and it won't land you have to say it as you see it so you have to take a you have to take a a leap of faith because it might not land as well they might say no nope, not really <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay and um and uh, so I think the contact is made as, as uh, you know, the, the observer and the observed almost are, are on the same page, so to speak. Mm. It's like, it's mm. like I, mm. I really see you. You feel seen. We feel connected. I feel seen by you. I'm seeing you. And the contact has been made. I think there's a, I think that's a fine example of being with. <laughs> that's <laughs> really really lovely is there is there uh, a, a creature visiting down there or is that no nope, that would be a little space eater ah, so space eater. it's about as close to the creature as i have in this in this house but i've actually been getting very into animism recently so yeah in some ways <laughs> i stroke my little space heater there and as it warms up they're there <laughs> actually i just want to share with you very briefly because i feel this is relevant yeah. Actually, one of my amazing teachers, Bruce Furtman. Bruce Furtman's an Alexander Technique teacher. Mm. He has this gorgeous practice called the Family of Things, and mm. essentially, it's 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 largely a, it it largely is a as a kind of practice. It's sort of animism in in uh, in action sort of thing, but it's gorgeous, and it again describes contact and being with in many ways. So. Um, Say, for example, I have this space heater here. Say I'm feeling a little bit funky. And even if I'm not, but it's particularly good if I am, I'm mm. feeling down, I'm feeling agitated, I'm feeling stressed or angry or whatever. I love this practice, which is essentially to make contact with the objects in your life, mm. whatever they might be, a space heater, a mug, and see if you can contact it in a way that has it feel good. Mm. Like to hold this mug so that my mug feels good. Mm. 
And the amazing thing is, and actually it's funny because I thought about this earlier when you brought up this topic, but the amazing thing is that it has this incredible effect, at least it does for me. And it's, it might, it's going to be different for everyone, of course, but what it does for me is I then start to feel good. And it reminds me of this concept of in giving we receive, you know? And so it has this effect on my nervous system. <laughs> you know, I have this, suddenly I feel this regulating effect of me helping my mug feel good to to contact that. And what, what would it be to contact everything in our lives in that way? Mm. Mm. You know, and mm. everyone in our mm. lives in that way as well. Mm. Mm. Freedom of the bondage of self comes to mind a little bit there as well. That's a whole different thing. <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, d- uh, this past weekend I watched um, or read, I should say mostly with, a lot of sadness and dismay about the invasion of Ukraine. And later, and there's a really cold snowy weekend here in in Massachusetts where I live. And so later in the weekend, my daughter and I went for a snowy walk and, uh, and we were out and she said, I want to go find the rainbow rocks. And I didn't, at first I didn't know what she meant. And then I remembered that back in the summer, which, you know, for three and a half year olds, that, that, passage of time is like half a lifetime you know it's just a long time ago we had found these rocks that had looked looked like they had been painted by children with messages of peace and love and they and they were placed at the base of a statue of saint francis of assisi who um has a prayer and so we went to that place and we dug in the snow and we found some of the rocks which he promptly like went and hid in other places in the snow but but we also cleared away an inscription of that prayer and the, and the sort of the second to last line of that prayer is it is in giving that we receive. And so I just love that you've presenced that because there's a, there's a way in which that mug, for instance, or that space heater, which is quote unquote inanimate or, or not alive, has an aliveness to it. And we could really literally say that that mug has reached you through the hands of dozens, if not hundreds of people, depending on where the mug came from. So there's also many others who, whether they thought about it or not, were contacting that object that you're now holding. And so I just like, I'm really in touch with the gift of giving that object that you receive so much from. Totally. You know, and it's like, uh, it becomes, it's like symbolic, isn't it? Right. Because I can pick up this mug in a way that's, totally absent from that level of contact. So I could be, you know, and I can plop it down and I can hold it. And, and at no point have I actually, at no point have I actually been with mm. the thing that's in my hand, really mm. it's in my hand, but I'm not really in contact with it really fully. So, so there's something there, right. About the, I just love this topic. I mean, it truly is one of my favorite topics which is you know contact and being with and so and then and then yeah as you say like on on you can take that further then and come into contact with the person who created this mug and then even further back you know the sediments and materials that are used to yeah that 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 craftsman used that potter and then even further back than that, if you want to go, or even, you know, but that's, and we can be in contact with all of that. Amazing. It's amazing. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. 
a part of me actually wants to read the whole prayer because it was really, um, I kind of, I'll read it. I'll read it. Please, please do. It seems so important and relevant to what we're talking about and also important and relevant to, to the parts of me that look out at, at the world and feel so overwhelmed by that, that I, that my only sort of, that I, the natural reaction I have is to sort of retreat to separate, to split. Um, but this prayer of, of St. St. Francis is just uh, an unbelievable invitation into the kind of contact that you are evoking so beautifully. And maybe uh, for listeners, if you're listening in, if there's some someone or something that you maybe at this moment have been taking for granted or haven't been attending to, perhaps like just be be with that invitation that Nathan has given us to really make contact. So this is the peace prayer of St. Francis, which my daughter helped me find in the snow this weekend when I really needed it. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine One, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console to be understood as to understand that I may not so much seek to be loved as to love for it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Amen. It truly is one of my, it is my favorite prayer. So thanks for reading that. Mm. And I hope your listeners enjoy that mm. or some, somebody somewhere does. That's, mm. you know, it's so powerful. And, you know, I'm very interested in Christian mysticism. I'm very interested in all, um, you know, many, the whole, you know, the whole range of spiritual tradition. But, um, I, I, you know, of course, the prayer of St. Francis originally is, you know, comes from Christianity, but there is something, there is something very special about a particular orientation that, so within that prayer is the embodiment of interconnectedness Hmm. or to take it a step further. If we, if you, you know, if it's not too much for us, it's the concept of oneness, right? Yeah. Because, um, because if in giving I receive, then there really isn't a whole great, a great deal of separation between who is the giver, mm. who is the receiver. Mm. 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 Yeah. You could even, I could even, <laughs> so, there's um, even a part of me that could play with like, and in receiving you're giving. Indeed. So one of our, one of our values at the somatic school 
is a generosity of spirit. And um, basically, this, this is the, the concept that um, how we receive someone is, has, the, uh, has the potential to, um, to uh, bring out the genius in the person we're with or diminish it. Mm. 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 Um, we all know, we've all had that. Well, I'm sure many of you, us here listening and here today, like have had the experience of, of sharing something with someone or making some kind of contact with someone and it being received in a way that was dismissive, mm. aggressive, um, you know, uh, unkind, lacking generosity and that sort of thing. And, and, and how we close down and we, and, you know, Mm. uh, Mm. critical, critical, cynical, these Mm. sort of things. Mm. And um, and this is where I think people begin to underestimate their impact to one another. They Mm. think that, well, look, you're here to do your job, whatever that might be. How I'm feeling about what you're doing is mine. That's how I feel about it. And so you got to, you know, keep doing what you do and say, for example, here today, you're interviewing me, but every question you ask, I so well, we're not in, we're having a conversation. So, but, but let's say, for example, as you, as I, as you say something, I sort of, mm, mm, yeah, it reminds me of improv. If I'm more like, yeah, but no, <laughs> right. That, yeah. Where and in improv, they they encourage us to say to be a yes and, which mm. is totally the same concept. Mm. It's like this idea mm. of whatever whatever you do, whether I like it or not, how can I be receptive? Mm. I mean, of course, within reason, there's, we have you know, boundaries are important as well. But how can I be receptive so that not you personally, Andy, but so that I don't make the person I'm with, you know. Um, close down or, or if I see that person as a fool, you know, then they, it doesn't take long before they become, you know, an idiot. Yes. <laughs> if you know what I mean, right? Yes. yes. We make each other, we can make each other dumb very easily by saying, <laughs> well, I don't, yeah. but similarly we can make each other brilliant mm. Mm. by holding mm. someone in that. Mm. And it's, uh, and, it, and actually that's really actually also at the heart of uh, coaching and uh, certainly, you know, one of the roots of coaching is the humanistic tradition and Carl Rogers' person-centered approach, which one of the concepts there is holding our client in unconditional positive regard. And I think it's for that exact reason, because in doing so, that's, that's what it evokes. I see you in such a way that it evokes that. And similarly in Hakomi, there's this concept of loving presence in which we which our clients become a source of inspiration and nourishment for us. Hmm. If if I can find, actively find the inspiration in you and your way of being, I can allow your presence to nourish me. You become more inspiring, increasingly (laughs) nourishing moment to moment, you know? Yeah. yeah. And and maybe to to play a little bit more with that, even, even if you were showing up, in a kind of, yeah, but, well, I don't know about that, Andy. Um, there's an opportunity for me, if I if I can see it and embrace it and play with it, to even receive that as something that you're giving me and to kind of go, oh, oh, like he wants to dance this way and sort of keep, even when someone's trying to know, but you can still yes and. And fi- like, again, <laughs> assuming you're safe and they're not trying to harm you and you're not trying to harm them, like, 
I can find inspiration in your kind of contrariness. And, and that, even that possibility exists as we, as we start to realize how much we can impact each other. 100%. And, it, look, and if you're doing that, well, then you're really embodying the St. Francis prayer there because you're going, okay, look, he's not loving on me, <laughs> but actually if I just love him back, you know, it's, <laughs> seek to love, what does it seek to love than to yeah. be loved? Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. And so, it, you know, it's just like, oh, I love his no but way of being. Cool. That's, uh, you know, that's fun. That's, I can play with that. And then, you know, and then you, you'll probably, you're going to, chances are you'll feel a hell of a lot better in yourself. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, totally. I love that. Is there, um, is there a time that you can connect with in your journey, Nathan, where, um, someone contacted something in you or you contacted something in yourself that uh, up until that moment you weren't aware of that had a, had an impact on you, maybe even a really profound one. I mean, I'm very blessed, I think, to be, to work with so many somatic practitioners. So so this whole concept of, uh, you're like, this happens to me every day. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I mean, largely in sessions with people. Yeah. Not, not necessarily in day-to-day, but like if I say, for example, Caroline Braham is a fantastic Hakomi therapist. I recommend her to everyone. And uh, she's wonderful. She's one of the lineage holders for Hakomi here in the UK. And, um, you know, a session with Caroline, and she can offer me a contact, you know, some context. And I... You know, and so that's happened many a time in, in that, you know, like, um, uh, but let me see if I can think of something. Yeah, just sit with it for a bit and see if anything arises. You know, this is a bit of a sort of a little bit of a coming in at a funny angle in response to your question. Let's try it. Let's see how we come in. So it's not so much something that someone's told me, but it's something that I've observed in increasingly over the last year or so. So, you know, I think there was a period in my life where I would present myself in a certain way, in different contexts. Consciously want to be seen in a particular way. Mm. And um, I I think in hindsight, it was rarely fulfilling. Mm. An example would be like, um, you know, for a while I was training at uh, another coach training organization. uh, And, uh, you know, I would, I would be, I'd be wearing this, the smart clothes and I would be talking in a way that, that I hoped people would see me as, I hope people would see me as competent, intelligent, professional, importantly, professional, grown up, maybe things like that, you know? Um, and, you know, maybe, maybe there's a, maybe there's a part of me that got that, got some of that reflection, um, but what was interesting, I think, was stepping away from that 
would have been that I kind of knew that I was performing a role and that's fine. It's cool mm. to perform different roles at different times, like a showman and a, on a stage in a rock band or something like that, you know, there's a, there's a time and a place, but I have to admit that something that I've been finding very, very like incredibly liberating recently is increasingly allowing myself to be playfully transparent Hmm. Um, at times that might feel like, is this appropriate to be this way, say this thing? Uh, obviously, like being respectful, you know, not, I'm not saying things that are causing offense here. It's, it's actually quite the opposite. I think it's things that I believe at some level are unacceptable, which is actually kind of comes back to what you were saying about what is it to say to a child you're oversensitive? Well, what's the communication there? It's that it's some level, the way you are is unacceptable. Mm. So mm. one of the things mm. I've been pra- I practice in my work, this radical acceptance with clients and helping them to find that kind of, you know, find that deep acceptance of all parts of themselves. But the thing is that it, this has been an interesting way of noticing that I can be training and things will happen. Like, I mean, it's silly, but like I had some trail mix. Yeah. On my desk and I'm in the middle of training and I like knock it off my desk and it goes all over the ground. And in a moment I thought, I thought oh, this was quite chaotic, like the sound of it. So like the sound of it falling and like my response and it all just felt quite like, um, like, you know, irking. And, um, and in that moment, I kind of, I kind of tightened up a little bit and I thought about maybe just moving on and not like, you know, and just ignoring it. And I just, you know, I can't remember what happened, but I just went, ah, that was my trail mix. I've got goji berries all over the floor. So I I just, and I just, I like, you know, I spoke to it and the group laughed and you know, more and more these days, I'm allowing myself to be seen, mm. to like mm. be seen by others. So it's a backwards way of answering your question. You're asking if there's someone has contacted me in such a way that's left a profound impact. I think I'm experiencing the contact from people, but in a, in a slightly different way where I'm allowing, I'm exposing myself. Mm. Mm. I'm exposing myself in a way that where I have, I feel safe to do it, but it's a, it's newer Mm. It's a kind of, Mm. you know, and it's so wonderful. Mm. It feels so good Mm. to be seen in that way. And then to have this response back, which I more more often than not creates more connection. Yes. And a sense of shared humanity. Yes. You know, it's like, and then everyone in the room relaxes. Everyone goes, oh, I can drop my trail mix on the floor and it'll be okay. (laughs) Yes. It's not, you know. There's the, you know, there's a part of me that can really uh, relate to the, like, let me adjust my glasses. Let me say the smart thing. Let me kind of, you know, be buttoned up because if I do that, people will respect me, like me, you know, really essentially people will love me, right? Like, gosh, I hope they love me. And there's a certain way in which that stance is rewarded uh, or at least not punished, but this beautiful kind of like me- the messiness of, of you're literally describing, I made a mess and I could be embarrassed by it or ignore it, but I'm actually just going to play with it. And in doing so, you discover that people are contacting you more than they might otherwise have. 
and, and, and contacting each other more than they might otherwise have. And that's really a wonderful gift to give yourself and the people around you. Yeah. For some reason, it reminds me of, uh, there's a theologian called Richard Raw. Have you yes. heard of him? Yes. Yeah. And he yeah. says, uh, he prays for, for a, a daily, a, one, one humiliation a day. <laughs> Uh, and I love it because it's like, it's like, it's like those humiliations that we don't need to suffer through those. Like the trail mix falls in the fall. I am genuinely embarrassed. In fact, in that moment, I think I was devastated. Um, it was, it was, it's hard to describe how loud the trail mix hit the floor. It's that it doesn't feel like it's this not a heavy object, but it, it really was very chaotic. And, um, and uh, there was something about, look, if, I can love myself here, you know, or even be willing to risk, you know, to, 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 to let you, to let you experience me like this and then to gate and then to just be, to just experience your response. There's an, there's an open invitation. And, you know, I think unless, unless, something is going on for someone else that's actually just about them and not you more often than not people respond so positively to your fallibility yes you know more often than not people go love it (laughs) (laughs) well you already gave me that gift once right because we were talking about like you're like teaching me about this kind of loving presence, this contact from the Hakomi tradition and like noticing. And I, and I kind of saw you reaching off camera and I was like, oh, maybe he's got like a dog or something. And you're like, no, mate, it's my space heater. But instead of just sort of like, and I was like, part of me went like, oh God, this is on recording. Like what a goofy thing to ask about. And it's actually his space heater. But instead you were like, but you know, that leads me into this insight about like the, like the life of things and, uh, and like it just opened this incredible door that we've walked through together. So I just want to like mirror that back, that gift you gave me in that moment to, to connect with my mistake, which a part of me was embarrassed by. Love it, man. Thanks for yeah. sharing that. It's yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's what we can do for each other, right? Yeah. That's the yes and principle right mm. there as well. Mm. 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 You know, there's a, there's, it reminds me of something when I was um, when I was younger, and I just got into life coaching. I had this phrase come to me during some process that I was doing, and and it was "You're all right," yeah, but not the word "all right," as in uh, hyphenated, a l l, all hyphen right, yeah, mm. Mm. dash right, you know, and and. Uh, you know, you know that that kind of you know when we when that kind of uh, that othering you spoke to earlier, you know, there's is that even what I want? There's just something about how can we? Yeah, I think the thing with that is like how can you? How can we hold all parts of ourselves, the multiplicity that we are, as all right. Mm. It's mm. all right, mm. you know. Mm. There's just something in that, um, mm. and this moment is right, mm. and that comment is right, and this trail mix on the floor—that's right. <laughs> 
right? And it's just like the freedom, yeah. the freedom, because you you spoke about flow earlier, and you were talking about this and holding this intention. Can we get? I honestly feel that the the what inhibits flow is the moment we go, nah, uh, no, ooh, it's not right. Not like that. Not not that. Not mm. quite that. Mm. Mm. But if we can respond to everything from that place of this is right. And even this is right. Mm. Yeah. Um, mm. Having said that, you know, it does bring up a philosophical question of like, but what about the wrongs? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. Cause there are clearly in the world today right now. I mean, that's obviously evident, right? There are things that we can kind of, you know, hold us wrong. But I, and I don't know, I don't know if I've given that a whole lot of thought to really back that one up. Um, mm. But, mm. um, Mm. But I think I tell you what I one way I see it is yeah. that yeah. I'm a yes to you, I'm a no to your behavior mm. is mm. one way of looking at mm. it. I'm mm. a yes to mm. Putin. At one point, you know, you were a child like mm. everyone else with mm. dreams and things. At one point, I mean, going back even further, you know, because like there are kids that do wicked things as well, you know, like, but like at one point he was a baby. Mm. Right. And just, you know, just pure, you know, pure, pure presence, love and, you know, and being mm. right. And, mm. uh, and, uh, so I'm a yes to this being, but I'm a no mm. to what you're doing. You know, mm. it's like, it, and that's mm. a kind of, you know, it's a, kind of a challenging stance to take as well. It's really challenging. That's a challenging stance to take, I think. But it's a generous one. And um, I'm, I'm in touch also. I appreciate that distinction. Like, we are all right. We still got to clean up the goji berries on the floor. I'm not going to leave them there forever. Right? And there's, and there's a way in which uh, we break from flow when we, when we want to control something. So to just take your insight a step further, we're seeing this sort of this behavior you're describing is really a, an intense desire to dominate and control at the level of a whole culture. Right. And that, and that like, that's taking the, we're not all right. I need to, to make myself, and I don't know anything about Putin's inner worlds, but I can get in touch with parts of me that try to make things better by um, othering, by distancing by shaming, by putting myself up and that other down. And when I do that, I, I can look back at many places in my life when I've done that, and, and the data tells me that that doesn't get me anywhere good. So that's like this, this sort of implicit, it's not all right, I've got to do, I've got to fix or solve or save or push or shame that leads me further away from the kind of flow that you're describing. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, this idea of control and push and fix and change, really remind me, I'm absolutely, you know, I, I, there's one book that I've read. You know, I, I rarely, I have to admit, I'm going to give you an admission here, a little confession. I, I rarely get the whole way through a book. <laughs> <laughs> 
there comes a point where I've kind of peaked in a particular book and I just say, that's about, that's about right now. And I just stop and then I'm on to the next. But, the, but there's one book I've read through more times than any other, and it's the Tao Te Ching, which is mm. the Taoist, mm. the Taoist text. And, mm. you know, one of the things they talk about in Taoism is the concept of Wu Wei. And Wu Wei, or commonly referred to as Wu Wei, but I think the actual pronunciation is Wu Wei, is, uh, is that, um, is that, uh, <clears throat> is one of effortless action or purposeless action. In other words, another way to think about it is, is, is going with the flow is one way to think about it, but, but, or letting things run their natural course is another way of thinking about it. Or, um, you know, like this uh, kind of a concept of just allowing things to be just as they are, uh, concept of non-interference, or the concept of where our thoughts and actions are perfectly aligned. Mm. So in other words, we're not trying to do something, we just do. Like mm. when we're mm. snowboarding or mm. uh, dancing or painting for many of us, you know, for often like where, where do people access these kind of what you might think about in kind of more contemporary as like flow states. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, mm -hmm. and the thing I love about this concept is um, I've actually experienced the evidence for this in interpersonal relating. Mm -hmm. So it's an, it's just the, the application of the concept of a way in say, for example, where it shows up, in my experiences in coaching is the perfect example of where if I just let you be you, right. And find your way with that, mm. with as, as minimal interference or intervention from me, ultimately, if I can hold a space and facilitate a process by that actually supports you to, 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 take as natural a route as you will take, oftentimes it gets you exactly where you need to go mm. <laughs> and mm. as the client, say, for example. Mm. And, uh, you know, it, 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 people just amaze me with uh, their creativity, their resourcefulness, you know, um, the, with the ability to find their own way through. And the in sometimes in Taoism, they talk about restraint. And I, I love this idea because I associate it with this, the practice of restraint, cultivating restraint being one of actually saying, saying, what if I, what if I, um, what if I don't try to control people, places and things? Mm -hmm. What if I don't mm -hmm. try to control this outcome? Mm -hmm. What then? What, mm -hmm. what, 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 what becomes available to me in this moment mm. if I'm not trying to make the moment mm. something other than it is right now, mm. you know? And uh, mm. that, that feels to me like flow. That feels to me like mm. when I, you know, and, and, and just, you know, it, and also, it, I mean, it's an easier, it, it feels a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It, it's not doing nothing. It's not no. actually doing nothing. It's not the absence of any action. But it. But I. Ha, but I have to admit, it's it's far more easeful. Yes. You know than yeah. effortful. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. It puts me in touch, and I can't remember where I heard this, but it. But it, the first time I heard it, it really. It stuck with me. And it's this recognition that. 
that this moment right here and every other moment that every other person is experiencing, every other being is experiencing right here on this little planet that's hurtling through just unimaginable uh, distances is the result of at, at minimum 13 and a half billion years, billion years of, of universal unfolding. Like the, the, Universe has for 13 and a half billion years been getting us to this moment. If I'm trying to do something other than what's possible in this moment, I'm essentially trying to fight 13 and I'm trying to fight the whole universe, which, which from that lens, from that cosmic lens is an act of, uh, of madness of, of, of like, you know, it's, it's pissing in the windiest wind you could ever piss in. You know, it's just like, <laughs> and so, oh, like, so there's something really freeing about like, oh, well, it, my body moves, I talk, I make sounds, there's thoughts, emotions, sensations, all of which have arisen out of 13 and a half billion years. What's, hap- what's going to happen next? Oh, so it's not that nothing doesn't happen, but rather that I can be open to and available to what could happen if I just sort of restrain to use one word, but, mm. but that's just that. I love that you're putting me in touch with that again right now. Cause that's uh that's the way to move. Yeah. It feels good. <laughs> feels so good. It feels so good. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It, 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 it's something I'm very, very passionate about, which is this notion of process, process orientation, there's, um, there are so many different routes into this. And I'm really glad it's come up now because it's so, so alive in me right now. And I'm realizing it's so core to everything that I, uh, well, I guess in some ways how I, my worldview, and there are, you know, endless number of very different worldviews we can hold, but process is one that I feel personally very aligned to. And there are process thinkers um, uh, going right back for, to the early Greek philosophers, and then and then to in philosophy, there's like um, Alfred Whitehead, mm-hmm. um, and and then in uh, and then we we you know Carl Rogers I mentioned earlier uh, uh, becoming on becoming a person talks a lot about the concept of process, and then. We see it in chaos theory, the notion of self-organizing systems, and we can see it in the tr- wisdom traditions like Taoism in particular, and Zen, um, um, which is largely, uh, has a lot of Taoist and, Confu- and Confucian, Confucius, uh, Confucian traditions. And so the, the, these, these ideas that essentially, uh, essentially life, all of life is an intelligent unfolding process mm. and that and that and time interestingly you know because there's this idea that there is only now some people say, you know there's yes indeed there is only now and 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 now and now there's now and now now and now it's a string of moments you know it's like a chain it, like it, yes there is only now but now leads to now leads to now leads to now and that is a process. Anyway, the, the point the point here though around the process orientation is that there is there is this unfolding, this intelligent unfolding that has an intelligence. I mean, that's 
actually well supported in a lot of the emerging sciences like mm. chaos theory or systemic systemic science and mm. things like this and quantum physics and all those sort of things that there's a, the self-organization the there's actually new theories on evolution emerging at the moment you know around the, the you know the, the kind of uh, rather than natural selection it's simply survival of the fittest there's this there's actually this uh um, uh, this self-organizing, this self-organization that is that from chaos comes this spontaneous order, mm. you know. And mm. and um, and mm. the thing that I just love about this is that it puts us into a different relationship with our. How do I put this? into a different into a different uh mode let's say maybe it puts us into like a different mode of being because if i if i can kind of go okay well what would it be like to sense into what wants to emerge in this moment and respond to that <laughs> that's a very different mode of being to here's what i want and i'm going to do this to get it and I'm going to make this happen and I'm going to do this up and now in this moment, and I don't want you to be like that. And so stop saying that, don't do that. And, oh, I, you know, you know, uh, I have to, no, I, I, I can't be like that. I must do this and this and that, and, you know, on and on and on and on. Instead of, instead of, instead of just tuning in, what wants to emerge? I mean, it's actually, in fact, it's how we're doing business at the semantic school. We, we went away for two weeks, two, sorry, two, two weeks, two days into a, in a tree house in Devon. I would have loved to be a t- two-week r- retreat for oh work God. like that. <laughs> well, maybe that's a sign. Next time it will be two weeks, I guarantee you. So, um, so two days in a treehouse in Devon, right, where we went to do some strategic thinking. And uh, rather than creating a business plan that was us trying to, uh, as they describing systemic constellation, constellations, which is this notion of, uh, uh, oh, what's it called? Um it's something along the lines of how we kind of like an uh, 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 an engineered future sort of thing, like a kind of you know what we're want, a molding, kind of shaping our future. It was it was it was actually just this you know we we would sit and we would do systemic constellation work and just see what wanted to come through. Mm. Mm. What's wanting mm. to emerge in this thing we call the somatic school, mm. this entity mm. that we're all mm. we're all lucky enough to kind of be you know engaged with and what and that and that was a different way of sense making but anyway the whole the whole concept of process orientation is something i'm very interested in yeah Thanks for what if you're comfortable sharing what what emerged over those two days like what's the somatic school becoming <laughs> great i mean it was profound uh first of all what came through was this archetypal um story of the garden of Eden and this idea that, you know, you know, you know, this is, this is, this is not, um, this is not about, uh, religion. This is just about this story, this myth, right. In a way you can think about it as myth of the garden of Eden. And, uh, and this idea that, uh, humans decided, so they, we were in this environment. Okay. In, uh, a garden 
let's call it paradise, okay, <laughs> right, which is essentially our planet. And, uh, and this wonderful, you know, what we, what we often refer to as nature, as if nature is separate somehow, <laughs> you know. <laughs> So we as nature are in nature, part of nature. We are all here together and in communion with spirit because that's what the garden was like. We were chatting away with God, <laughs> naked, happy, joyous and free, not self-conscious, no shame, interacting with animals without any sort of, you know, you know, just harmonious living, a harmonious living. And then decided we could do it on our own. Right. <laughs> And, uh, and so we, we, we left, we left the garden. And, um, and so what came through for us as a somatic school has something to do with, uh, so the, the mission, the mission statement that emerged for us, which is sort of where we're moving, the direction we're moving in is returning to our senses, uh, remembering the roots of our humanity reconnecting to our place amongst all things mm. and receiving the gift of this moment. Mm. 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 That's what emerged. That's what came <laughs> through. <laughs> and it wasn't something we were expecting to, you know, really go in that direction, but it has, you know, that's, 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 that's what came through in that, in that work. And it feels utterly right. Mm. And it mm. feels bigger than me or Sam, mm. who I was with, you know, um, uh, and uh, yeah, to ask that question, just to, to tune in and see what's wanting to emerge right now, what's wanting to emerge through us, through me, through this business, and then taking the time to actually receive the answer, to let that mm. come in a sort of deep listening or a more kind of global mm. listening way. It's just a, for me, that's just a wonderful process and something that mm. I think, um, as something as a species, We've been so top down for so long. You know, it's like, it's just a, I just think it's such a, it's such a liberating thing to do and it kind of takes the pressure off as well. <laughs> oh, well, Nathan, thank you for um, saying yes to my invitation, which I think I may have used some version of that language. Like I want to just see what happens when we talk. And, uh, and you said, okay. <laughs> And uh, for me right now, the thing I'm checking for, like if someone is were to ask me, Andy, how did you know you had a good conversation with Nathan? I, well, I feel really fucking good right now. <laughs> that's, how, that's how I know. Um, and I really want to thank you for that, for playing so openly and skillfully and um, curiously and generously today. And uh it feels right to me that the vision you just named for what your work could is in the world and is becoming in the world. So thanks for sharing it. Thank you so much for having me. Mm. It's been a pleasure. Mm. Mm. I feel great. <sighs> if um, there are people listening who want to understand more about the somatic school, where should they go to learn about that? Yeah. I mean, the obvious place would be www.thesomaticschool.com. That's our website. Uh, and uh, and then you know we do a we do an intro event, which is a really great way to find out about you know about the field of somatics broadly speaking, about this notion of the the, the idea of somatic coaching or body oriented coaching, and uh, and and also about the training that we we offer here at the school. So it's a good place to come and learn more and get questions answered 
and uh, yeah, I mean, I can share some links if you if you uh, if you don't already have them, Andy. But that's probably the probably the best place to start. Mm. Brilliant. Well, thank you for what you're doing in the world. Thanks for sharing space with me. This has been a really uh, a really joyful and effervescent hour or so. Yeah, yeah. I think that sums it up. It's it's been it's been a pleasure. It's been a joy, mm. and uh, thanks for having me. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Right on. And thanks everyone who hears this. Whenever you might hear it, may whatever wants to emerge in your life come through more clearly as a result. Thanks for tuning in to the Wonder Dome. This podcast was produced by me, Andy Cahill, with support from Kelly Serqua and audio editing services from John Nolan at Middle Mountain Studios. The theme song was written and performed by Todd Marston. You can find the Wonder Dome wherever pods are casted. If you dig what we're doing here, please share widely, subscribe, and give us some love in the review boards. And if you feel called to support this humble offering to the world, while also making an even greater impact in the lives of others, consider becoming a monthly supporter. Not only will you help me keep the lights on and keep this show going for as long as I'm able, but 30% of all member contributions go directly in support of causes like the Black Lives Matter movement, the United Nations Refugee Agency, and the National Resources Defense Council. You can find out more at my website, mindfulcreative.coach, where you can also sign up for my newsletter, learn about my transformational coaching work, and get plugged into exclusive offers and community happenings. In the meantime, I'm wishing you a life of purpose, power, and presence. We need you now, more than ever.